Hey everybody, thanks for oh coming. Oh my god, I've been murdered! Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming to another episode of Adventures in Angular. Shy just got murdered. I am the host, Aaron Frost. I work with Hero Devs, I work with NGConf, and I'm one of the GDEs in Angular community. Today on our panel, we have back again the wonderful everyone's favorite Alyssa. Hey, so I totally would have, I think, said yes to a survey that asked if your last name was Frosty. Yeah. So you just said it and it sounded really weird that it wasn't Aaron Frosty. So I just thought I'd put that out there. Anyways, keep going. Tell everyone who you are, Alyssa. Alyssa Nigel, here to to enjoy the awesome, I'm not going to run the guest, so you keep going with your spiel. I I thought it was Nichols. (laughs) No, singular. I'm a Nichol. Nichol. (laughs) And we also have, we had Shy until he died. Hey, 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 I know Krav Maga, dude, I beat that guy. That's right. He's back from the dead. Shy, do an introduction for those who don't know. Yeah, I'm Shy Resnick from testangular.com and highres.io. And I'm sleeping outside of my home because I insulted my wife. Thank you very much. Well, good job. On our panel, or our guest of honor today, we have, I think, generally one of everyone's favorites is Minko. And I think that's true even before he joined the Angular team, he was one of everyone's favorites. So we got Minko. So Minko, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody. Thank you. My name is Minko Getchev. I'm currently working as an engineer in the Angular team at Google. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. And now, with the song... Yeah, so go ahead and sing the song you're uh, basically. Okay, I was not prepped. You made a song for us, Minko? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't make a song. There is, a, like, Tracy has a bunch of songs, right? So we can probably take one of her songs. Speaking of songs, I, I'm going to drop this little nugget. Chloe Condon. You guys know Chloe? Yep. Yeah, so pre... Azure, she's on the Azure team, right? Yeah, yeah. Before being a programmer, she was in acting. Acting and... She's a fantastic singer. I mean, if you, you want to go check out some of her stuff on YouTube, she's, she's great. Anyway, next year's NGConf is called NGConf The Musical. She's going to work with us, and we're going to have a bunch of Angular parodies. And then maybe Minko could sing one of those next time it comes on. Angular, what do you think, Minko? You don't want me to do that. <laughs> no, you don't want me to do that. Um, I think you underestimate how badly we want you to do that. Yeah, we do. <laughs> A petora. That's how much we want it, bro. <laughs> All right. So, Miko, we brought you on to talk about Angular 8. It's like this. I'm going to just say it. I'm just going to say it. It's a little bit of a letdown release. But it's also really cool because everyone wanted. Ouch. Frosty. Damn. Well, hey, I'm, I'm. Listen, I got to represent the people listening. 
I can't just represent me. I'm friends with Angular team. I can't just, oh, I understand. I, I got to represent the listeners. Everyone wanted Ivy. Admit it. They got Ivy. They got Ivy. They got it behind a, an opt-in flag. You're right. You're right. You're right. But everyone wanted Ivy in general. So we didn't get Ivy, but what we got was actually some, because Ivy doesn't change most of our day-to-day life, but we got some stuff that does. We got some really, really cool stuff at Angular 8. So we got Minko in here to show it to us. So Minko, why don't you kind of give us a high-level introduction to all the new features, and then we'll peel them back. Sure. So we are actually working on making sure that Ivy is not going to change anyone's life. <laughs> that's our okay. main purpose. And that's why we didn't release this part of version 8, because we want to make sure there are no breaking changes, or at least we have minimized them to, like, we have uh, reduced them to the minimum, and uh, we have documented everything well. So as part of version 8, we shipped a couple of features that I was uh, really excited about because I'm mostly focused on the tooling side and uh, making sure that Angular runs fast in the browser. So we shipped Builders API, which provides more extensibility points in the Angular CLI. We uh, worked on a feature called ng-deploy. So we haven't shipped the deploy command as part of the Angular CLI yet. This is just a matter of time. Like Whenever we want to, we can ship it because we already provide the extensibility point point for this. And we have deployment for Firebase, for Azure, for Zite, and since yesterday to GitHub pages. So is, is the deploy for Azure, is that the stuff that like Chris, yeah, Christopher Noring, he kind of worked on that with? Shmuela, yeah. Shmuela. Shmuela. I think Shmuela and Chris were reading, leading the effort there. We're That's talking, awesome. Yeah. We started talking to them very early once we started deciding to work on such features. We involved Azure, the Firebase team, like Google Cloud, of course, and a bunch of other folks. We talked to Netlify and Zeit, Zeit who are developing Next.js. This is the React-based uh, framework. So, uh, yeah, we shipped this, and we want to make sure that we keep iterating on this feature in order to provide even more advanced deployment. And at some point, for example, support pre-rendering, uh, support uh, other features, such as uh, dynamic servers and training, and so on. Another feature as part of version 8, which is another in the CLI, again in the CLI, is uh, support for web workers. Hmm. So we have a generator which can generate a few files and update your workspace configuration so that you can use web workers inside of your Angular app. Another feature is uh, we shifted from string, string syntax in load children in the raw declaration to dynamic imports. Mm-hmm. This was based on like different reasons. First, we wanted to make sure that we are aligned better with web standards, and uh, we wanted to shift in this direction because Ivy is going to be slightly like much more dynamic compared to the Vue engine. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the cool features that uh, we can ship together with dynamic loading of components, of course. So this helps us get closer to Ivy, get ready for Ivy. Yeah. Okay. And uh, better ID support also. We worked on the language service. Mm-hmm. to make sure that it currently like works properly with version 8. Uh, we shipped another getting started guide, which is much simpler, and it starts to introduce the Angular concepts much more gradually. Because mm-hmm. we heard, we got a lot of feedback that like a lot of people feel overwhelmed when they started using Angular because we start talking about dependency, like for, we start talking about best practices from the beginning. Components, ng modules, directives, dependency, like ahead of time compilation, RxJS, and it's too much, and people don't really need this in order to get started. That's a lot of features. Uh, that's, I think that's a lot more than a lot of people realize was in there. 
Did you leave yeah. any out or is there any more? So now you regret your comment, Frosty? No, I, everyone's saying it, Shai. Everyone's saying it, Shai. <laughs> For the record, Minko, I think it was a great release, okay? And you did an awesome job. And uh, everyone's saying it. The migration was smooth, right? That was the... It actually was yeah. silky smooth. Yeah, super easy. And that's the main point. I think this is the lesson learned from past releases, just to make sure everyone has a smooth upgrade experience so nobody will kill us. Yeah. <laughs> After and that, I think that um, the new docs for like getting started, they were, they were nice. I went through those early on and I was very happy with those. So I'm excited they're out. Yeah, I, uh, I had to mingle a little bit with the lazy loading stuff to kind of get that dynamic component loader that I built working, but that was actually really easy to work with. So I thought it was well done. This is among my recommendations to shrink the initial bundle. Yeah. People's applications. So yeah, great job with this. Yeah, I love, I love that um, we haven't always been able to just call import. And I hated that for a really long time. I love the imports back because that was such an easy, like when in, in like an AngularJS project, like when I was just using Webpack, that was such a powerful way to lazy load bundles. Yeah. And I missed it when I came into CLI. It's so great to have it back. Like it's better than I think a lot of people are thinking. So rather than dive in on the things I think are cool, maybe we should peel those back one, one at a time. Like maybe kind of deep dive into each one. What do you guys think? Yeah, good idea. So I don't really understand what builders are. Like, can you give us some examples of what I could do with a builder? Yeah. So actually the effort behind the builders is it's much bigger compared to what we announced. Kind of we rewrote the internals of the CLI in order to make sure that the APIs, the extensibility points that we provide are as ergonomic as possible. So we kind of took the internal mechanism that made the CLI work and uh, redesigned it by reusing most of the lessons, like pretty much all the lessons that we learned in its previous version. The rewrite wasn't major, like we, we kept the similar abstractions, but we made it, uh, we reduced the, the amount of code that we had. So this was the, the so-called builders API. With the builders, you can add different commands to the Angular CLI or overwrite existing ones. A lot of people already, they're already using the builders API. For example, a lot of folks, they want to use Cypress for end-to-end -end testing instead of Protractor. They, they wrote their custom like builder their custom end-to-end -end testing command. And by using schematics, they have ng-add for their package that can take the angular.json workspace file and completely update the implementation of the end-to-end -end command with their custom one, which uses Cypress. So you said Cypress and like magically Joe Eames joined the, the, the podcast. <laughs> and this is the magic I was word. summoned. I, I could feel a disturbance in the force. <laughs> <laughs> what, what just happened? You say Cyrus Joe's here. Wow. And I so, was about to say Jest, but like something made me say Cyprus. That's funny. Yeah. So how does, is Builders part of schematics or is it, is it different from schematics? Can you kind of explain that? Yeah, it's a separate API. So uh, the schematics, the schematics, they can help you to update your workspace configuration because they're mostly related to file transformation, just to take one file and to change its content somehow and serialize it back on the disk. The builders, they're just JavaScript functions, asynchronous functions 
which the CLI can invoke for you. That's pretty much all of it. In order so, to create a builder, you need to import the create builder function and pass a function that returns a promise or an observable. That's it. Cool. So a builder is not like a loader, right? A builder is, um, is, is it like a task? Like it would be like a, a task? Is that what it is? Like I just want to, when I saw builder, I thought it might be like akin to the Webpack loader or the Webpack plugin, the bundler piece of the CLI. And, and I guess I'm wrong. That's not what it is. It's more of a task type system. Yeah. Yeah. It's a task and it can schedule other tasks and okay. receives updates from them. For example, in the ng-deploy builder that we implemented for Firebase and the one which is for GitHub pages, basically what it does, it is a single function that accepts arguments that the user have passed over the command line. After that, it invokes the production build of the application, which is another builder. And finally, it just delegates the execution to either GitHub pages or to Firebase tools. That's it. It's a pretty, pretty much like pretty straightforward API that uh, sounds like fancy maybe, but it's pretty easy to get started with. So and now, for example, I have an app with Moment.js and everybody knows that Moment has a lot of locales and all that. Everybody who used Moment and it weighs, weighs like 500K or something like that. And it used to be hard to remove those and just to ignore them in the Webpack because you didn't have access to the Webpack configuration. So with builders, is it possible to config Webpack now? Yeah, so there is a special builder. There are actually several in the community. One of them is by Manfred. Uh, we have also another one, which replaces our defaults, like we call it browser builder. This is something that builds the application so it can be used in the browser. It uses Webpack and stuff. And Manfred's builder, uh, like these builders, they replace the one that we, we provided and allow you to plug a custom piece of Webpack configuration. So by using ngx build plus, for instance, by using uh, by running ng at ngx build plus, you're going to get the default build command replaced with another one which allows you to plug some custom piece of Webpack config. Wow, so how much does it cost? In terms of build time or? No, in terms of money. How much does it cost? <laughs> Dang it, Shai. Yeah, it's for free. Oh, it's free? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I, I heard it was going on sale. I'm trying to think of how much money you could make if you actually just charged like a dollar. <laughs> Shai, it's, it's half off. <laughs> it's half off. It's half off if you start using it today. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So the so price is builders, going to be doubling soon. If I'm working, another serious question. If I'm working just at a company, do I have a reason to even look at builders, or I it's for it's more for like open source projects who wants to I don't know customize stuff like uh, Manfred. Yeah, there are there are some there are use cases. We ship Bazel in an Optium preview as part of version eight. So I didn't mention two more things uh, that we released as part of version eight. Yeah, I was but, waiting for Bazel. <laughs> yeah, Bazel we implement this is just another builder. So this is a synchronous function that the builder the Bazel builder implements. It just invokes Bazel instead of Webpack in this particular case, and that's it. Yeah. So if your organization, if you're in a large organization where your application is millions of lines of code and the build that we ship by default in the CLI does not scale well enough for you, you can use the Bazel uh, builder. 
is it like usable now? Like, is it production ready? It's, uh, you know, not in preview. Same as Ivy. Mm, okay. So this is a disclaimer for all you who yeah. listened. There are, there are people using it in production. Uh, now we're talking to, to a couple of companies which are co-founded by former Googlers and they really like the build system that we use internally. So they're using Bazel for everything and in, including for building their Angular applications. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I've used Manfred's NGX Build Plus and it's pretty awesome. Um, the, the concept of builders is pretty fantastic. So let me ask a question about builders and then we got to move on. Otherwise, we're going to run out of time. Like in as part of my build, I can say ng build and then I can also like subsequently run other node scripts and I write those just in, you know, node or TS node. What's the advantage of using the builders API for those tasks versus just writing my own node scripts? Like why would I use the builders API for tasks versus um, just writing a node script? Yeah, uh, I guess the API is that they're more reusable. These You can ship them as an NPM package and very easily people can just ng add them to their own project. Also, you can use the standard, the traditional Angular CLI API in order to use them. So you need to just run ng run or ng the name of the command and your target and that's it. So these are the main advantages. Yeah, actually another advantage is that from these builders, you can actually schedule other Angular CLI tasks very easily by using the internal API that we provide. I okay. think we should have an episode just about that. Like yeah, we might want to bring in have a builder's episode. That would be fun. Yeah. We should have Bren, the builder, talk about it. Who? Never mind. Next uh, subject. Okay, next topic. <laughs> what was the next one? What's the next one, Minko? So we can talk about deployments or about web workers or about... Let's talk about... Uh, okay, deployment. First mm-hmm. of all, be- before that, before that, what's missing still at Ivy? Like anything is missing or you're just like waiting for bug reports and stuff like that? So the, thing that, the things that we're working on right now are that we want to make sure that the bundle... So currently, Ivy generates less code compared to Vue Engine because the... So we don't generate ng factories anymore and the instruction set is much much uh, more compact that we generate. So the, file, the code that we generate is smaller than Vue Engine. But because Vue Engine was doing more things at build time, Ivy has a little bit more runtime code that we need to ship together with the framework. So the framework got a little bit a little bit bigger now. We want to make sure that we shrink the bundle so that your application is smaller than before. And actually that's maybe one of the main missing, not missing pieces, but things that we're working on. Also, we want to make sure that Ivy's performance is at least as good as Vue engines in most scenarios wherever it makes sense because, well, it's it's kind of a, we have very dynamic system, which is ID, and we have very static system, which is Vue Engine. With Vue Engine, you can more you can do more, more things ahead of time. You can do more things as part of your build time. But in the same time, this increases your build time. It makes your build slower, and it makes your compiler to generate more code. And we are not sure whether this is the right approach. It also makes, sets some restrictions, some constraints on top of your application. So, you cannot do cool things such as dynamic imports of components. You need to use third-party modules. With Ivy, we have more things which are happening at runtime, and uh, we have a little bit more like bigger framework, and we can do fewer 
compile time optimizations. But on the other side, we get more cool things which can let us make our applications more dynamic. I don't know if this is not if, if this is too abstract or if it makes sense. No, no, it makes sense. It's basically you're describing the trade-offs yeah. between the two approaches. And over the years, ever since Angular 2, you kept like the team kept like playing with those thresholds, like yeah. more dynamic or more static or you know, and 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 saw like the different trade-offs. And uh, now you decided to go more dynamic because I'm guessing. Uh, so you're waiting now to like compare it better to the view engine in terms of like uh, I don't know static uh, analysis or like uh, compilation time. Uh. Co- the compilation time, I believe, it's 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 faster. There are some things which currently break in Ivy, which didn't break in Vue Engine, because uh, both systems are slightly different. So we, we want to make sure they're backwards compatible and don't, they don't break uh, people's projects. And we're running all the Angular projects inside of Google. We're trying them out with Ivy and seeing whether their tests break or not. So we want to make sure that all the tests are passing until we're feeling very confident that Ivy is feature ready. What percentage of, um, of apps at Google that are on Angular are currently running Ivy, do you think? So I need to change my room. Sorry. Okay. Oh, <laughs> now, okay. You now you got changed. <laughs> <laughs> the question is really good like time for a break. Let's... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> let me, let me discuss it with my colleague. <laughs> I don't know if he was saying that any of them are actually running on Angular, but they're running their unit tests against Angular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're testing it against <laughs> Ivy. I am curious, though, to see like how that's been going. Like how many... Yeah. Of the apps have been perfectly yeah. fine on Ivy versus right. It, yeah. It's and it's important to know because we can't get it in general release until it's on all projects at Google. So that's why I'm asking: Are we at zero percent? No. Are we at five percent? Because <laughs> we have to get to a hundred before it's in general release. He's so. like putting his radar out, trying to. No, get no I just I just want to know. I mean, this is what the <laughs> listeners are thinking too, right? Like. We don't get it until everyone at Google gets it. So how close are we? It's, it's kind of... I, I'm super curious to know about the build time and the test loading time uh, speeds, uh, maybe with Ivy and with Ivy with Bazel, like how much of an improvement uh, did they introduce? So Minko, if, if, you, if you know this, like, uh, I don't know, statistics, because this is like a major pain point in enterprise applications uh, yeah. in my, my clients they are suffering like they have <laughs> very slow build times whenever they need to check something or even running the test so is it like improved and if so how much if you have if you have knowledge from enterprise applications like big applications that uses Ivy or Ivy with Bazel or I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the first question was how many applications are already using Ivy? So none of them. Uh, once we switched to, we are running their unit tests. We're running the tests. Yeah. Yeah. And this is this is actually. So we have our monorepo, and if we if we switch to Ivy, all the projects all, all the projects should switch to Ivy, right? So we have kind of uh, we did something so that we can run the Ivy test in parallel with all the projects. This is outside of the monorepo. And once we make sure that 100% of the tests are passing, we'll flip the switch and we're going to make Ivy uh, work for all the Angular projects out there. We are on over 97% of the tests passing. I think 97.5. 97% for, like, for, for all of Yeah, for all the 1,500 the apps. applications. Oh my God. For all of them. 
You wow. need to videotape the the moment you are switching, flipping the switch <laughs> uh, on Ivy on all projects and Google. That actually would be an amazing like stream, and I I would be there for that. Yeah, just to like watch this. you like. Did story. anyone watch Stranger Things season three yet? No yeah, spoilers. I, that started. I no spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. No spoilers. No, no, don't do it. You know, in the laser no. thing, you know the big laser no, thing? Oh my God, why no, are you talking? Like, what? Blah, 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 blah. I think that's what happens when they run all the tests. I think that's, that's what happens, bro. Are you actually spoiling something right now? No, we're talking about testing. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh-huh. And lasers. <laughs> there are sharks, there are lasers on the shark's heads in Strangers. <laughs> I did not know they added sharks, but seriously, Minko, if you wanted to stream that, I would watch that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm going to offer this. Well, I'm, an, I'm imagining a really, really, really big lever, right? And it's one of those levers, <laughs> the, the electrical contacts, and you pull it down, and there's like a spark, and then lights come on. That's what I'm picturing. There's like, two, there's like two keys, and people in uniforms yeah. have to look eye to eye and turn the key <laughs> on the guy on the radio, right? They, they nod to each other. And, yeah. Yeah. On three or after three? Like we turn on it or after three, and then and then everyone goes. There's no three in Angular, so we'll go on four, right? So one, two, four, turn. That's how it goes. Oh my! Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Woof. Okay, can we get to Shy's question because I'm interested in that one? Shy, can you do like a mini recap of your question because it was like forever ago? Five ever. Again. Yes, I asked about uh, the build time and testing time with the IV and with IV with Beza. Like, what's the deal there? What are what is affecting the time basically? Yeah, so I talked about the things that Vue Engine was doing more like statically and why the applications with the Vue Engine could be more optimized at build time, but also the Vue Engine does more operations at build time. So that's why the compilation there was slower. In Ivy is going to be faster. I cannot like, I heard somewhere 25%, but I cannot promise that. Probably it's around 25%. It could be more, it could be less. So this would be faster. I know that there are some issues with testbed, which were making the tests very slow. From what uh, we discussed with Igor, this is going to be issue that Ivy fixes. But still, I don't want also to set like extremely high expectations that Ivy is. So I'm quoting 50%. uh, I'm (laughs) tweeting that now. Like Ivy solved it by 50% the testing time, right? I believe I said 25. (laughs) 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 Okay, let's make it 40. Okay, cool. So that's just Ivy, right? That's just like, and what about Basil? Yeah, there's a Basil opt in. Yeah, Basil is a very, very long topic. So uh, in order to explain Basil, we need to discuss what are the what is the difference between Bezo and the more dynamic system that we use? It, it's actually pretty pretty similar to Ivy and Vue We did a show about Bezo a few months ago. But I think if anyone's listening, yeah, well, Alex came. And so I think the listeners are should be informed on what Bezel is. So I guess what knowing that it's dramatically different, what does this opt-in give me? Like, I'm guessing it's just some flag I'm like Bezel true or something. Yeah, you can enable Bazel for your new projects by specifying the like schematics collection Angular slash Bazel. Okay, I don't have to like build the whole Bazel config. It just takes the Angular JSON and builds my app with Bazel instead of Webpack. Or what's what's happening when I do that? So in this case, uh, it is going to build your application. It is going to run the Bazel's development server, which is written in Go. So uh, it's it's much faster compared to 
compared to the previous option that we have. Also, it is going to use rollup for bundling your application. But this, again, doesn't mean that you cannot use Bezo with Webpack. You can completely just use Webpack for bundling instead of rollup. We just picked uh, rollup because it has fewer dependencies. So, so I'm, I'm going to pull back my question. If I turn the Bezo preview on, yeah. I don't want to understand anything you just said. Yeah, yeah. Do I have to understand that? Like, uh, ideally, no. I just say Bazel true, and then I walk away like it just works. Is, is that what's going to happen? Or if, yeah, if I say Bazel true, do I have to do a ton of things? No, uh, that, that's what, what should happen. You're just going to use the Bazel schematics. We're going to generate a project which is Bazel compatible, and you should just use the Angular CLI the way that you're used to. There are some differences. For example, if you want to build a bigger, if you want your project to grow more, like if it is um, enterprise scale application, you will have to maintain custom configuration and specify how to build the individual ng modules in your app. These are the Bazel build files. So you need to maintain this explicit configuration yourself. Got it. These are instructions for Bazel how to efficiently build your app. And when you turn mm. this flag on, this is not with a is with an existing project or with a new Angular project. It's easier to make it work with a new project because of all the differences between the dynamic system of Webpack and okay. the more static Bazel build system. But uh, it's you can convert an existing project. It depends how much custom Webpack like magic commands and um, dynamic features you're using. Can you give us a couple of examples of the magic dynamic things you're talking about just so that we can yeah. look for? Well, if you use custom loaders with, with NGX Build Plus, there is mm -hmm. no way to make this work out of the box. With okay. You would have to put some effort in order to tune the Bazel config so that it can work. Okay. What about but, dynamic uh, uh, async await imports? Dynamic imports. You can make imports, yeah. Okay. Cool. It's actually simpler in this sense because uh, it's Bazel, the abstraction that the abstraction level is much lower. So for example, you can directly import ng factories right now in Vue Engine. And they're not going to exist initially, but after the build, the NGC build step passes, these ng factory files are going to show up in the disk directory, and Bazel will be able to get them from there and pass them to the bundler and figure out the story from there. So yeah. Cool. Okay. And what about the tests? Have you talked about it yet? I yeah, mean, tests with Bezo, they're using Karma and Jasmine right now and Protractor for end-to-end -end tests. Okay, and is it much faster or is the same, basically the same? Because what I understood about Bazel is that because you need like to specify all the inputs and you have all of like the files which are the inputs, then it, like I don't know, doesn't really you don't get the benefits or something like that. When you specify the inputs, Bezel can build very accurate representation of your build graph, your dependency graph. It knows which are the dependencies of your test. So when you update any of the dependencies of your test, Bezel is going to rerun only the uh, impacted test files, actually. It's not going to run everything. It's going to return the cache results for the, for the rest of the tests. So it is not going to rerun them unless their input has changed, which is very and convenient. That's a huge win. Yeah, and also for the first build time, like the, the first time I'm doing like yarn test, I'm getting like the stuff from the cache, like in the build? Uh, yeah, if it depends exactly what tasks Bezo is going to invoke during yarn. 
Your test, but very likely it is going to reuse uh, the cache. If you have built your application before that, mm -hmm. if you have run ng-build, very likely Bezo is going to reuse some of the artifacts from this command. Does it work right now with like changing the schematics, or is it still work a work in progress? Uh, if you if you try to directly switch your application to Bezo, probably you're going to hit some issues. If you create a new application with Bezo, very likely everything will work smoothly. But uh, yeah, you can try. Thanks. Awesome. That sounds super awesome. Yeah, the cache test results. That's cool. Yeah, everything about Bazel. It's like a lot to understand, but it seems really, really powerful. So did you get a chance to work on any of the features we haven't talked about yet? Let's talk about something that like you're directly doing. And maybe you worked on all this stuff. I don't know. I worked probably on did. the deployments, uh, the differential loading, and a few other things. So let's talk about the differential loading. Because that's a that's one of the ones everyone a lot of people are excited about. Like, how do I turn it on? How does it affect me or my users? So it is going to affect. You're going to have a slight hit during build time because we're going to build your application twice: once for older browsers and once for newer browsers. We're going to produce ES5 and ES2015 builds. But from this point, once you ship your applications, once you deploy it, the users with new browsers, they're going to download only the ES2015 bundles and fewer polyfills because they don't need polyfill for map or set, let's say. These are ES2015 APIs. The users on older browsers, they're going to download the ES5 bundles with all the required polyfills. So this is going to improve your application performance in two directions. First, people are going to download fewer bytes of JavaScript, which means that this is going to lead to like, lower network consumption and also lower parse time. Like the parse, there are going to be fewer scripts to parse, so it's going to be easier. So and, the only downside is when you build these yeah. two different versions? Yeah, which is not a huge downside. The no. CLI consumes mm -hmm. a little bit more memory. Mm -hmm. So you can hit eventually out of memory if your application is very big. You can increase also the the limits of uh, your node process to to let it use more memory of your machine. How do you like activate this differential loading? It's activated by default. Yeah, when you run ng updates, we're going to migrate your Angular application to version eight, and we are going to enable differential loading by default. It's just like an open sesame. It just works. It just works. Yeah, there is a way <laughs> you awesome. can configure it also. Hmm. I was wondering how it actually works, like in the browser. Yeah. So we generate two script tags. The script tags for the ES5 bundle has traditional, just like SRC attribute, like source attribute, and also no module attribute as well. This no module attribute indicates to the browser that this script does not have ECMAScript 2015 module support. So newer browsers would know to not download this old bundle. The new bundles, however, they have script type module, which means that only browsers which ES2015 browsers uh, module support will download them, and they point to the new bundle, the ES2015 bundle. So older browsers, they're going to consume the no module script, and newer browsers are going to consume the type module script. That's it. So like my app, when I build it with eight, it's going to be just as fast for old browsers as it was in Angular 7, but for new browsers, it'll be faster. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's kind of, I think, what we're saying. is We're not 
penalizing anybody. We're only making it faster for faster things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. What counts as an old browser? Old browser counts, uh, in this particular case, browser which does not support ECMAScript 2015 modules. So if you cannot, if you don't have imports and exports, gotcha. it's going to download the ES5. So currently, which browsers is that? Like, is the latest version of Safari okay? Or? Yeah, it's, it's okay. Uh, like Internet Explorer would not uh, pass the test for with ES modules, but Edge will. The last two versions of all the browsers, except Internet Explorer, I believe, uh, all of them support ES modules. Okay, so this is good for everybody um, that's on kind of later stuff. That's fantastic. And that's cool that you got it on by default. And um, I mean, that's, that's one of the cool things about the CLI is you're saving us all this Webpack nightmare, like craziness, and things just get better. We don't have to do anything like the Webpack, playing around with Webpack configs are so, is so fun. That's yes. true. Yes. That's true. Yeah, like watching my, my grandma, uh, I don't know, play chess. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> his, by fun. the way, his grandma was uh, actually a chess grand national champion. Grand yeah, champion. I was going to so, say, that was international? fascinating. So yeah. a really bad really. analogy there. That and Pinnacle. <laughs> <laughs> so that means that in, in the future, we won't have to deal with Webpack configs ever again? Yeah, that's our hope. How much does it cost, Minko? <laughs> to download the entire CLI? I, I don't know what's like your network provider fee. We think <laughs> that's, a good answer. that's a good answer. That's a good answer. The How much pay? Yeah, are you over your data limits? So it sounds like, though, in to, to Shai's point, even though he was making it um, slightly sarcastic, sounds like we're replacing this Webpack craziness for some potential Bazel craziness in the future. It's like, sounds like we're going to have to maintain no. Bazel configs. So we, there is the plan that at some point uh, we may eventually replace the current browser builder which uses Webpack with Bazel. But this is not something like we're just in exploration phase there. We want to see whether it's worth it for a small project as it is worth it for big projects. So you think it might be out tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> he said 50%. I quoted. <laughs> it was just like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> the last time I'm coming on this podcast. <laughs> you can try it today. We're going to keep maintaining the schematic. So if you want to use it yeah. for your personal project or if you want to use Bezo for an enterprise project, well, I'll actually definitely recommend you to learn Bezo because it's something that if you learn Bezo once, you'll be able to build your C++ projects, your Java projects, your Scala projects, your Kotlin projects, and I can keep going. Nobody is a ninja like you who knows all these languages by heart, okay? Most of us are JavaScript developers. All right. Wait, were you, you know all of those, Minko? Of course. He does. He's not he, in his head. He reads, he reads compilers for as a hobby. It's true. He eats them for breakfast. I want to go cry now. <laughs> so, so deploy, like ng deploy. What was the use case for that? Like, because most companies have Jenkins and I don't know Travis and all that stuff. What was the idea behind, like, okay, adding the deploy step there? Yeah. So a few motivations. The first one is that. Well, for simple static applications, the deployment phase is pretty simple. You just take your assets and you put them somewhere. 
So that's pretty simple. And with differential loading, we kept it simple. Oh, something that uh, we didn't mention during the while we were discussing differential loading is that most of the feature, the actual implementation, came from Manfred, uh, who is uh, one of our committed collaborators. He spent a couple of weeks working on this feature. We I love him. I love him. Love working with him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Manfred is the coolest. And you mentioned like collaborators. What is that? What is it? Yeah. So, How do I get one? Okay, I'm going to I'm going to pause the deploy deploy conversation a little bit. So to make an intro for the collaborators program, I would love to share with you actually the first PR that I did to Angular, but at some point I will do that. It was in 2013. I opened a pull request where I updated one brace in the documentation because there was a missing brace in the AngularJS interceptors example. I spent like two hours opening this pull request. I extremely uh, nervous because, well, like missing brace, like Google does not make mistakes. Like, well, that thing, probably the mistake, is, the mistake is on my side. So I wrote this entire example. I saw that actually there is a missing brace. I reopened my pull request and uh, in two days it got merged and I was extremely excited. And after that, of course, my collaborations, my contributions got more and more frequent and I didn't have to spend two hours for a missing brace in the docs. But um, it was hard for me to ship big features, something like differential loading or like improvements in any of the modules that we maintain. And that's not only for myself, that's for everyone, because it's hard to ship a big feature which aligns with the roadmap of the framework, which makes that uh, really well with all the other modules that we maintain together. That's why we wanted to give the, like, the opportunity to everyone who wants to contribute to people that we already trust, actually, who has been doing this for a while. And in the same time, like to help them contribute more and to help us, of course, to build more features. This is why uh, we started the Angular Collaborators program, uh, where we invited a couple of folks who have been like regularly contributing to Angular over the past couple of years. And Manfred was one of these folks. So we invited him to join. He implemented differential loading. We are happy to keep working with him in the future. Love him. Yeah, with so Deborah, we're working as well with Jali, who is working on ZoneJS and a few other folks. Love him. Wow. So they all have like uh, now 30% of Google in shares because of that? That's good. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> but is it like, seriously, is it like a, the program, is it a, like a pay job or something you do and you get recognized or something like that? So yeah, we try to support the collaborators as much as we can. We don't have dedicated budget for this program though. So it's, it's a way to get work for free. It's mostly, it's mostly a way to keep new features that people enjoy uh, working on and support the cool features. No, but that, sorry, that's actually bro. like... I was no, just no. trying to troll you. I'm sorry. Yeah, we were like all uh, funny aside or not funny aside, okay? Um, not, not funny. I, uh, it's sort of funny. Anyway, so actually there is a lot of benefits there because I know like I ran like a program called uh, the Goodness Squad and we, we try to like do pull requests to open source projects and sometimes you work on, on something and you don't have the support from the core team and that way you can waste basically waste your time trying to merge something uh, and get like the cold shoulder because it's something they either they are already working on or it's not part of the plan. 
Yeah. So having having uh, the support, the official support of the core team with like advice or with like help, with like in, inside, in, I don't know, insights that c- could make a huge deal, especially if you are depending on, a, I don't know, on feature uh, that your company de- is very uh, like suffering from not having that feature. So you could do like much more. So actually there is a lot of benefits in, in such a program. Yeah, yeah. I, I contributed like this for over like five years and I had different uh, opportunities in the meantime. Like eventually I joined the team, but uh, I built a startup in the meantime with Angular. Uh, I had the opportunity to present on NGCon the product that we developed. And uh, yeah, it's another like a long topic, maybe for another episode. Seriously though, on the thing, because no one's taking this collaborators thing seriously. So I'll finally take it seriously. Just what? Kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just asked a serious question. I, I, I know. You did. You called me out for not being serious. So I'm going to be serious now. Um, so if I understand what it is, it's a way for people from the community to give back to the team. But it's also a way for like a big company to help have an opinion around Angular and help influence some of the stuff that's going into it. Is that, is that did I make that up? That's possible. Yeah, of course. We are going to keep the project's roadmap the way it is right now. It's going to be based on the internal requirements that we have here at Google and based on the requirements that uh, folks in the community have. Like, we're looking at our issue tracker all the time. If there is an urgent feature that we are planning to implement, it makes sense for the entire like ecosystem that we maintain. And uh, we cannot prioritize it soon enough, then... If a, if this is critical feature for some for a company, they can come and uh, like implement it, and we can co- collaborate on on uh, with them to make sure that it fits well with uh, the other modules that we maintain. How people can join this, and what yeah. happens once you join uh, it? So the way to join us is just like keep uh, collaborating to Angular, and uh, it, when we see that uh, you're doing a great job, and we have enough mentors available we'll be we'll get in touch with you and and then you get you. like the 30 percent. okay awesome oi good job and then then we're in 30 percent for everyone that's like that's that <laughs> was in my math, math? no no in my in my <laughs> math it works okay my that's math. a lot nine people lot. so far which is like percent yeah <laughs> So, okay, awesome. So that's the way. So just keep contributing and helping like the open source project and then you will get picked up from the crowd and you will get a badge and um, a high five from Mishko. No, so then I'm guessing at that point, you get to go to your boss and say, Oi, I'm a contributor, right? Or you get to go to Google and say, Oi, I'm a contributor in your interview when you interview at Google. I'm guessing it helps your career to be a, to be a contributor for the Angular project. Yeah, I, I went through the interview process eight, nine months ago. It was definitely um, good to be known in the community and to have built some stuff that Google uses. That's so hard to believe because I think that's what you're like the whole point because you're so well known in the community. It feels like you've been around forever, like as a part of the core team. So like, I think that's the point, right? Like that you were so, I guess, influential in the community already that it made sense. Yeah, well, and of course, during the Google interview, nobody from the Angular team, if anyone from the Angular team knows you, they are not supposed to interview as well because of different rules here. But uh, so yeah. you, just, you just got in for free. No, <laughs> so I don't know you. 
Unfortunately, they bring in yeah, they, yeah, they bring in Sergey for those interviews. <laughs> <laughs> so, the ng deploy. So yeah, the motivation for ng deploy was oh, and I need to change my room in one minute. <laughs> Another so, avoidance. Of and then we'll do picks after the ng deploy. We'll do picks. Yeah. The ng the motivation for ng deploy. All right, I need to change. Tiny. So actually, for static sites, it makes sense, right? Like for GitHub pages yeah, or something like yeah. that, and Firebase static pages, and actually makes sense for that. And I remember back, like in 2015, I think, when <laughs> Igor did like the first a- Angular CLI talk, where uh, when nothing worked. <laughs> because of the internet <laughs> connection. So he actually talked about like the, the, the plan was to have this ng deploy and to deploy to Firebase or stuff like that or Heroku back in the day. Hey, uh, some people still use Heroku. Yeah, and also How and, uh, dare also you? Also <laughs> How Pearl. How dare you? Anyway, so... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I spit on you, Heroku. ouch I'm here sorry for the delay no we we answered the question already so you can (laughs) I heard the answer yeah just relax we got it covered yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) thanks though thanks though (laughs) so our motivation was that uh, we have the uh, HTTP archive where we can see how many Angular applications are using like that's accessible for everyone uh, for, for everyone anyway it's like it's like one of the Google spy tools. We get it. It's a widely available tool where you can see how many applications are using content compression, for instance, or CDNs. And we noticed that over uh, 27% of applications were not using content compressions, content compression like GZIP or Broadly. And CDN was about 80% or so. With ng-deploy, we kind of try to push people to use best practices, just show them how. Uh, just like to automatically deploy, when you automatically deploy to GitHub pages, you get all these things for free. Hmm. And it's a little bit tough to deploy some certain types of applications using pre-rendering or using server-side rendering. With ng-deploy right now, we support only static sites. Eventually, at some point, we're going to implement other features uh, for more advanced use cases. Okay, awesome. Thanks. There's more features we didn't get to talk about, but I think everyone can see there's Angular 8 was like packed with stuff. And um, there's a lot of good stuff to catch. If you're not already on it, get on it and, and, and do your update. Get going on it because it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty fantastic. And um, it's actually one of the easiest ones to upgrade to from 7 to 8. So. Hey, are you working on a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. They update the class regularly for the most current Angular, and a lot of the curriculum is also relevant to older versions. Or you can go beyond the three-day class with help from Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. They can assist your team or launch your project, including scalability, data flow, state management, service architecture, full-stack product design, and a ton more. Or you can contact them for a private class at your location or attend public classes in cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com. Let's move on to picks. I'll go first because I don't want anyone to steal mine, specifically Joe Eames. Ah. 
I'm going to pick Stranger Things Season 3. No one can pick it now. And my favorite part was... Just kidding, Alyssa. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm also... I'm going to pick Angular Denver, which is a cool Angular conference. It's coming up at the end of this month, at the end of July, or the beginning of August. So Angular Denver. That's my two picks. Who wants to go next? So I will go next. I was on an awesome show earlier today. So I'm going to promote it on Angular Air where we had uh, Dominic and Quentin on and they were talking about uh, template streams and change detection profiling. And it was a really amazing show um, with live demos that you know were broken and fixed live. And it was, it was beautiful. So definitely suggest checking out that show. That's awesome. Just out of curiosity, when you like go to one of your friend's restaurants, do you like get up and tell everybody about the really good restaurant that's next door? <laughs> um, <laughs> just, just curious. I, I mean, oh, sorry. <laughs> Listen, I love you guys. I no, but she loves love them better. Uh, would, I wouldn't yeah, say yeah. I love them. But they have tacos. <laughs> but no, they have you know tacos. what? They do have they have video. No, I mean, this is a cool <laughs> podcast. This is a cool podcast. Cool, uh, too. You guys yeah, I mean, this podcast is pretty cool, so. I mean, this uh, is, you should be proud of yourself yeah, on this podcast. Yeah, really, you what come you along way, with you really done something. you all cool. hush. Bonnie sends her love, <laughs> and she says hi. And you all, you keep doing your picks. <laughs> Can I go next? I want to go next. Let's hear it. So there's this other podcast. <laughs> it's called the DevEd Podcast. And we had it yesterday. <laughs> and I'm totally going to pick that now. It was really cool. And check this out. We had I mean, this podcast, podcast is good. Yeah. But the DevEd Podcast. The DevEd Podcast is, <laughs> is real. Yeah, I mean. Hey, hey, can I go next? So there is a framework called React. <laughs> which is uh, very... Hey, I'm not done. You're... you're, 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 you're <laughs> oh, sorry. Feel the sorry. mic. I'm going to drop the mic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We had Bonnie and her daughter Sam on the DevEd podcast yesterday talking about learning with challenges, right? Because Sam has dyslexic. Sam is dyslexic. And it was actually like one of the coolest things because she did this thing. I, did, I got to participate in this thing called the cake test about determining if you have dyslexia or not. It was, I've done the cake test a you've lot. Done the cake oh, test. Okay. Well, did you pass the wait, cake wait, wait. test? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I've uh, done it. I think we're talking about different cake tests. Okay, my bad. We might be talking about a different guy to take cake test. This is not one that the Cheesecake Factory is like an official sponsor of. My bad. My bad. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, we did that. It was really fun. And so, actually, what I'm going to pick is Bonnie and Sam because Bonnie and Sam are cooler peeps and so fun to have and chat with so we really had a great time and the best part was when sam would start to talk and then bonnie would jump in and say well tell him about this <laughs> and then sam would be talking and bonnie would, like cut off tell him about this <laughs> it was actually really fun but that doesn't sound like bonnie doesn't no like it was yeah. really weird totally not like bonnie yeah it was super awesome great great time so that's that's gonna be my pick okay thank you yeah so my pick is the David podcast, okay? And specifically the last episode, which was with me. So it, it was the best episode, okay, of course. This um, podcast is good, but that one. <laughs> Listen, so. there is room in everyone's no, no, hearts no, no, for multiple no, podcasts. No, no, right? no. There is a competition and day one, okay? So anyway, 
And my other picks are, uh, so I have uh, uh, two uh, shows, Ozark on Netflix, which is amazing. Oh, so good. So yeah. good. Amazing. I really I can't really, wait for the next season. That show yeah. is just way too dark. I, wait, wait. I, dark. No, no spoilers. Yeah, no. And also Cobra Kai, the second season, uh, went out a few months ago. Is it good? Uh, it's for kids, but it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's for 80s kids. Does Johnny um, put anyone in a body bag? <laughs> put it in a body bag. How many people get anyway. put in body bags? <laughs> how, many, how many legs were swept in the <laughs> Three and will they increase the number of swept legs in episode two or in season two? <laughs> it depending on the ratings. So the last thing is the concept of doing something you're not comfortable doing. So this week I went and did stand-up comedy in like an open sta- open mic uh, evening, and I didn't do it for like twelve years, and it was horrible. I was horrible, and it was it made me super uncomfortable. You know, and you're really selling this pick. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm so convinced. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you picked Googling it. right now. Glad you picked it. Yeah. And sounds like a good pick. <laughs> Are you picking root canals next? Is there root canal next? Pick? Shooting well, yourself in the foot with a loaded gun. <laughs> Food poisoning. Root. Try it. It's the best. All right, focus up. Focus up. Give us a positive shot. Give us a positive. A positive. Okay. So I was about to say that it's just like root, a root canal. It's, it's painful but necessary. Okay. So you're a perfectionist. So I'm guessing it was actually pretty good. It just it didn't measure up to your perfectionist level. So I'm guessing it was probably good. No, it wasn't good. So, but the thing is, is that it made me like set a goal that I'm going to crack this uh, challenge and figure out how to be comfortable in a like hostile environment, let's say. The good news is that because you're you, you only have to have that goal for three months and then you'll get a new goal. <laughs> exactly. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So my pick is getting out of your comfort zone. That's my pick. Mm-hmm. Be love. I was going to pick Angular Denver, but you picked it already. Uh, so. <laughs> But way to go. And uh, there's this new project that I've heard about, and I want to play with it, but I haven't yet, called RxJS Spy. I'll put a link in the show notes. By Nicholas? Uh, yeah. Have you used it? No. Why do you know everyone? <laughs> everyone. Uh-huh. It is by Nicholas. Yeah. My name uh, but it looks pretty cool. Like it's a debugging library for RxJS. Mm. So rather than just using the tap operator and console logging and hoping that it works or, or guests. Please, you know. God, let that work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it looks cool. I've checked it out a little bit, but I haven't had a chance to actually use it yet. So, yeah, check it out. Let me know what you think about it. Oh, yeah, slightly more effective than prayers when debugging your RxJS. <laughs> yeah. Holy Spirit, help me find the RxJS problem. Yeah, no. When, when I'm really intensely really? debugging, I cross both you all laugh, but I have prayed about bugs before. Okay. <laughs> I've pre-prayed about bugs. You're really <laughs> selling RxJS now. Very Please good. guide me. Please guide me to the, the error in the stream. <laughs> For a guy who runs an RxJS conference, you're really selling RxJS now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well. I don't want to say. I love RxJS Spy. I'm selling that. <laughs> so what else? What else, beloved spy? 
That one. And then the last one I have is just getting outside. So my wife and I are on vacation and we're hiking in the Tetons and it is awesome. Mm. So get outside. It's summer. It's fantastic. Enjoy some time with family. Do it. Where, where is this place? I'm not sure that I've what been there. Teton? Where is it? Oh, the Tetons are in Jackson. Oh my gosh, so Lisa, please do not ask that question because somebody might actually answer that question with a, with a truthful answer and we'd have to like scrub it from... You'll have to Google what the word Teton means. There are mountains. There are mountains, <laughs> but... Or just, that. or just imagine French word. I don't know exactly the translation, but uh, you don't know. Oh, oh, it's in French. Okay, it's French. Google yep. it, but don't don't say it out loud on the podcast. Everybody can go Google what the word Grand Tetons means. I think it's Spanish, just so everyone knows. But no, no, I thought it was French. The Dons. Yeah, I'm ninety percent sure it was named by a French explorer. Ninety percent. Yeah. Oh, isn't it uh, the song by Cisco? The ton, yeah. ton, 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 yeah, yeah. ton, no? Yeah, that's it. So you're picking outside? Yep, so I'm picking outside. Go for a hike, get out there, enjoy it. It's uh, it's a great summer, so. Bring sunblock. All right, Inko, you got any picks for us? Yeah, there is. So do you know the safe navigation operator in Angular? Like where you can put a question mark and if this oh, yeah. property is... Elvis operator. Or yeah. Elvis operator. Yeah, there is some progress in TC39 around optional chaining, which has very similar semantics mm-hmm. to this operator. So this may eventually show up in JavaScript at some point. Where they depend around that. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. This is my main pick, I guess. And mm-hmm. also, like, there is a really cool boxing gym here in San Francisco, HitFit. So, yeah, if you're around, you can give it a try. HitFit. Cobra Kai. Put them in a body bag. All right. Everybody, thanks for coming and listening. Minko, you're a fantastic guest. Thanks for dealing with all of our sarcasm and, and giving such a great effort to uh, the Angular team and to the Angular community. Yeah, yeah Minko. We love you, Minko. Love you. <laughs> all right. We'll catch everyone next time. Peace. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.